think I've lost you. David. Prophecy, there you I go. Guess, right, we're back. Okay. Um, yeah, so we've done... Chris, Chris Eubank. Chris Eubank is. Yeah, I thought I remember seeing a, a testimonial or some comments from him on, on something mm. one saying about, uh, about you, you guys. That's good. That's uh, good for all the boxing fans out there. Anyway, let's let's um, let's crack on. We've done you know we've done a few of these now. We try and do them every quarter, as you know. And we've got people mainly from Asia, but the Middle East as well. Some in the UK. So to those people, good afternoon and good morning, um, or even good evening. Um, what are we doing? We're just having a bit a bit of a chat today with David Yedley of Prosperity Property, Joe Billingham will hopefully be joining us, but he's feeling a bit under the weather. It's not COVID, but uh, hopefully he'll be joining us. Um, what are we going to do? We're just going to have a bit of a chat, um, as we usually do, David, about the sort of state of the UK property market at the moment, you know, where we see it going this year into next year, you know, how the budget's affecting the market, and then what that means for you guys. So where are you guys targeting? Where are you developing? Where are you building? Uh, where do you think are good locations for people to be buying? We'll have a bit of a chat on that. We will then do a bit of a chat box thing, which I think for everyone watching is down at the bottom. You can put questions in there. We'll do a bit of a Q&A. And then for, we've got sort of, again, probably about 50% clients, 50% non-clients. So for all those clients, we'll then go through the developments and do a bit of a development update at the end. Um, yep. How does that sound? Fine for me. Excellent. Okay, so David, couldn't you just, I think a lot of people probably know who you are, but for those that don't, could you just sort of perhaps tell us a bit about yourself, what you do at Prosperity, and maybe just a short intro on Prosperity as well? Yeah. Um, my name is David Yellowley. That's, um, that's a Cornish name, so I am British through and through, or an English through and through. So um, um, I've been giving advice to clients on financial matters uh, for probably the last 33 years, uh, originally in the wealth management uh, profession industry, but then more recently, um, over the last uh, seven years now, I morphed myself into property and uh, came to work for the founder of Prosperity, which is Jack, Joe Billingham, who, as Callum said, sadly can't be with us today. Um, and... Um, and my experience in managing all mediums of investment um, from unit trusts to bonds to, to property is quite good. So it's broad based. I can't give advice on those regulated investment products anymore, but um, the move to property was, was well-timed. It was at a time when property was starting to recover after the, the global property crash of the, the noughties. And, um, and the last seven years has been a, a fantastic um, time to be in property and been very exciting deep learning experience for me and uh, and I've been obviously right on those shirt sleeves all the way through it so we've uh, had a great great experience um, my role is global um, ambassador which I'm not sure whether that sounds highfalutin or, or not but it, it really is all, all it really conveys upon me is the ability to speak to all of our clients, whether they're UK based or, or international. And in the good old days before the pandemic, it enabled me to travel around um, the world, uh, doing seminars, meeting existing clients, 
um, and our other introducers at Doc APW, um, as well as APW, and uh, and just trying to spread the word of uh, UK investment property and prosperity generally. Prosperity is the um, um, the, the business that Joe has been running. Joe Billingham has been running for the last fifteen years. Um, Birmingham-based uh, and has focused on the buy-to-let investment market. Until recently, that's been <clears throat> almost exclusively apartments, um, and the focus has been in marketing apartments in city centre locations, <clears throat> not necessarily cities which are regarded as um, highly popular already, but cities where we've identified through our uh, research capabilities that there are a number of reasons in place to enable the city to grow um, and this is usually due to an improvement in the infrastructure, railway stations being built, bus depots being improved, airports uh, thriving, road systems of course, but also the the additional advantages of new employers coming to a region, large hospitals being created. All of those factors tend to generate new activity in a community and new activity leads to the need for housing. And, and so the environment for an investment is generally regarded as very good in those circumstances. So that's been our focus, has been finding sites around the UK where there's a real and, and strong potential for capital appreciation and, and just an income yield from the value of the asset. And, uh, and so we've gone far and wide over the last 10 years, particularly as far south as South End on Sea, which is only about uh, 20 miles from London, as far north as Yorkshire, which is North Yorkshire, which is probably only a few hundred miles from uh, the Scottish border, and then a proliferation in the, in the Midlands, both west where we've really seen some real potential growth, which is continuing um, as we speak. Um, our market has been really directed at expatriates um, and foreign nationals. We've, um, we've found a, a sweet spot, a niche in that marketplace because our experience when we first started marketing in that sector seven or eight years ago was that a majority of expatriates had were in a position to invest they were very keen to save money they were in an environment where they were being taxed beneficially they were earning more money than they were perhaps when they were based in the UK and they wanted to do something with their surplus cash and their capital and the options open to them usually led to a financial services business um, which was probably selling them opaquely charged um, low performing funds um, and savings plans. So we felt that if we could come in and offer a bricks and mortar alternative to that, uh, the product would be very well received. And certainly that's proven to be the case. For sure. Yeah, it has. I think uh, everyone listening in is, is an expat <coughs> living overseas. So uh, we would agree with you there. Just before we go on to some of the uh, you know, predictions and what's going on with the market at the moment. Um, Sorry if you mentioned it there, but what is the, in terms of track record, you know, in terms of units completed and, and developments done, can you give people a sort of idea of that just so they've got an idea of the sort of scale of the, 
of the business and sure. development. Uh, that's a good point. Adam. So, um, company has has now um, sold over three and a half thousand properties around the UK across probably forty sites. And some of these sites in the early days, there's, there's one very close to our offices in Birmingham where it was seven apartments. So it's easy to, to have lots of sites when you're doing small projects like that. But um, more recently, the projects that we've been involved in have, have been much larger. There's a one in Birmingham, which is 229 apartments. And there's one in uh, Norfolk, 300 houses now. So the, the profile of the business is changing. There's a, there's a, uh, really a more substantial, better funded business um, with a track record, which means that it's much easier for us to raise funds to help with our, um, our projects. And, um, so the business is growing all the time. And uh, the profile of what, what we market it, is changing just as, as the market inevitably changes. Great. Okay, thank you. Um, good. Okay, well, just going on to sort of the the state of the market at the moment then and going into the future obviously I think it was a a year ago today a lot of countries and I think the UK went into lockdown uh, sporting events were cancelled all this sort of stuff and none of us had a a clue what was what the future was going to hold and I think at the time you know there were predictions of a recession which we did have but you know more sustained recession and a drop in house prices and uh, lots of negative talk about the property market and what we've actually seen is probably one of one of the best years in a long time you know for for various reasons but the market's done exceptionally well so what why do you think in your view or what have you seen uh, to indicate why you know why has the market done so well this year when people were expecting you know this time last year for it to to, to fall significantly i think i think um Everyone's fearful of change and dramatic events, aren't they? And I think those of us who are old enough to live through some, some of those realise that there's, there's always going to be volatility when there's change. Um, and I must say, back in March, and I think we were doing one of these webinars, Callum, about the same time 12 months ago. So we, had, we were, yeah. Um, so we were wondering how to present positive outlook when actually we were both doing what every human being does in these circumstances, and that is. Um, panic, you know. So whilst we might have looked like swans uh, gliding along the canal, we, we were paddling very, very strongly underneath, yeah. hopefully in the right direction. So it, it um, um, our predictions last at the beginning of 2020 were that we would have a um, a relatively stable market, um, a property market across the UK, but that there would be pockets of opportunity, and the the feeling then was, of course. What we'd had was a, a great feeling of relief that Brexit had finally been sorted for better or worse, but at least we had some certainty. And there was no doubt that in those first couple of months of last year, there was a lot of activity. We were, we were seeing record property sales. Um, this was also at a time when Hong Kong was starting to creak um, with the, the, um, the increased overbearing um, attitude of the Chinese government leading to more foreign money wanting to come back to the UK. So it really all looked very well for us. Then then, um, the the pandemic started to take much more than any of us at the beginning of the year. And I I think our our views were that we were going to get 
we were going to carry on doing business, but it was going to be a really, really difficult six months. Um, and of course, back then again, we all have short memories, I think, but most of us thought, well, this is anyway, so. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Let's, let's just take a little bit of a holiday and you know, paint the outhouse or whatever, and uh, and and wait for things to recover. And it hasn't turned out to be like that. Pandemics had a much bigger impact than the majority of us ever. Did. Um, but what we saw after a couple of months was the property market strengthening again, which I couldn't have predicted. It just shows the difficulty of being a an economic forecaster. And thank heavens, I'm not one. Yeah going to happen when you when you have a global change that we've encountered what why has it happened and i i think the key point is that certainly we've had a lot of new investors and i think the feedback from these people and we're trying to get feedback from our clients and work more closely with them now than we've ever done before the feedback is that they still want to invest actually a lot of us um um, you know, our marketplace is is predominantly well-to-do or high net worth people. It isn't it isn't um, rank and file employee. So there's a distinction here, and there's there's certainly a change in in, in people's financial status as a result of the pandemic. But for the, the well-to-do and above, they're now enjoying, I think, more wealth than they've ever had before. So they're in a position where they've got more surplus capital, surplus income that they're not spending because actually the pandemic has suppressed their ability to go out and do what they want to do with it. Yeah. So they're also predominantly sitting at home wondering how to fill out their fill up their days once they've been on their Zoom calls and their and their emails for seven or eight hours each day. Inevitably, they look for investment opportunities, whether that's. Uh, Buying watches, buying cars, buying houses, um, um, you know, holiday homes—all of these mediums of investment become interesting. And I think, obviously, out of all of those, unless you're very clever with cars and watches, property is probably the most predictable uh, asset class that exists. Um, the UK is a relatively stable and benign market. The uh, the political feeling about the UK is, is very stable. Uh, the tax regime is, is, is understood. And of course, a lot of the people that invest in our properties are UK born, perhaps even if they're living overseas. So there's a, there's a comfort factor in, in investing in the UK. But we've found that people really quite like the idea of investing in, in, in property as a result. And that's what's driven the market yeah. um, to, yeah. to recover so quickly. And to indeed strengthen. The other thing is that, again, we haven't talked about, but Prosperity's philosophy about attracting people to buy property because we sell off plan is we allow this ability to pay their deposits over an extended period, be it 12 months or 24 months. And that means that somebody can commit to buying a property, but then pay for it in bite-sized chunks of maybe £2,000 a month or £1,500 a month, which doesn't feel like a particularly risky thing. We're all slightly fearful of making a mistake and losing money. Um, but if, if what you're doing is you're signing up for a, an investment in a, an established business, a good track record of success, building in a UK environment which is stable, 
um, in good old bricks and mortar, it's quite a compelling argument if all you've got to do is, is take £1,500 a month or £2,000 a month out of your savings each month, watch your savings pot grow and, and, and uh, get frequent updates on how the property's doing and, and find out that the macroeconomic climate is allowing property values to rise. It's quite a, quite a good story at the moment and that's probably um, all of those factors have led to uh, an improvement for us. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. You know, we, we did have a, before COVID hit, we had a very strong market fundamentally, you know, didn't we? We had clarity on Brexit and we had all the, all these different different things. So, um, so yeah, it's, anyway, it's good. So in terms of looking to the future, um, I know a lot of the sort of research houses, Savills, Knight Frank, were predicting a pretty flat year this year with the, uh, the stamp duty holiday ending, these sorts of things. <laughs> They had flat predictions. Um, Rishi Sunak came out with his, his stamp duty holiday extension and some other bits and bobs that were, were very, very favorable for, for those people looking to buy property. And, and a lot of these predictions were revised upwards. You know? So again, we're looking at quite a positive year of growth. And if you look at five year predictions, you know, the Midlands, the Northwest, the Northeast are all at 20% and above. So, do you, does, you, does your opinion, yours and Prosperity's opinion, reflect that? Do you think the market's going to stay strong this year? Where do you think it's going to go and, and how do you think it's going to perform? Uh, firstly, up until September, and then how do you think the, the stop to the stamp the holiday will impact property prices and, and the property market? Because you know? there are some people saying that um, we'll have a bit of a cliff edge, you know, a drop-off in, in growth once that holiday comes to an end. So what's your What's your take on that, and, and you know, what are you? What's the feeling in the office and, and over in the UK? Important thing with these again, these poor uh, economic forecasters, and they predict um, um, a flat market for uh, the UK. That is taking into account all regions, and so you know, you, throughout the UK, I think, for instance, in the southeast, London particularly. You still have a difficult market down there. Yeah. Um, yeah. London is still suffering from um, a rapid rise over over ten years, which priced its attractiveness out of the market. And then you know, we've we've uh, then had the uncertainty of the pandemic, which has just led to people migrating out of the city, either going back to the countries that they came came from originally, or just thinking that now is right to go and live in the countryside or to go to cheaper areas like Manchester and Birmingham. So, so the impact of London's um, marketplace, where prices, I think, we think, are going to continue to fall for some time yet, has an effect on balancing areas, perhaps up in the, the northeast and the Midlands, where we still think that the, the market has, has some growth in it. So I think it, it's very important to... Be selective over where you're looking because comparing what's going to happen in, in London with what's going to happen in Nottingham, um, the market is so different, there bears no comparison. So our outlook for, um, for the UK property market is, is good. We don't think there's any great instability in the market. We do see pockets where there are great opportunities. So um, um, our job is to try and highlight those 
find find suitable pieces of land or buildings to convert and then offer those to people at a, an attractive price so um that's that's the vein in which we'll continue for the for the foreseeable future but we don't in this benign interest rate market and you know that's another key issue yeah. is interest yeah. rates are low there there seems to be no sign of any any change in that over the next three to five years it's difficult a bit longer than that but but it would be difficult to really see any any change even over a, a more extended period so with low inflation um there's, there's just so little that we can do to make our money work and property obviously is is, is one of the things that will do it and uh, so in periods of strife or difficulty there has to be um people have to look for investments that create yield no point looking for a capital appreciation you know mini stock in the equity markets because if it it get it wrong and it doesn't grow or it goes down in value there's just no return on your capital so you just have to look for value from yield because yield is much more predictable if you if you make an investment you know that you're going to get a tenant in there or that it's going to generate income from its underlying asset that that kind of helps support the capital appreciation of the asset as well so i think the, the key thing for us at the moment is focusing on yield looking for places where there's a very good prospect of strong rental returns sustainable employment new employers that can create yield against the purchase price that's sensibly priced in the market you're then going to have a, an asset that's generating income generating 5 or 6% per annum you know we all have we all sigh you know a, a nice gentle sigh of relief don't we that at least we're having our money working for us but of course it then becomes attractive when it comes to sell it again and so that leads to capital appreciation and i think in this benign interest rate and low inflation market we've got to assume that any any time we can get 7 or 8% return on capital per year for a few years I mean, double digit returns or would you see the great target but when inflation's running at zero or something close to zero we, we just have to uh, re rein in our expectations and realize that a a real rate of return on an asset of 6 7 8% per annum net um is is fantastic and if half of that is a monthly yield and an income yield then even better yeah, it is it's um it, it is very good and i think that's important you know when you are looking at locations to buy is you need to look at um locations individually and you, know, you can't look at the whole of the UK or the whole of the southeast or the whole of the midlands you know within the midlands for example there's better places and worse places you know oh. in 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 the northeast there's better places and worse places and so you've always got to do your research and and actually say okay well why is this location going to go up in value and i know you know for example the southeast and that sort of areas It, it, London is not a great place to buy, but if you're looking at some of the commuter places into London at the moment, they are because you've got people moving slightly further out. You know, so it is very, you know, you, you can find certain locations that perform better, and that's why you need to do do your research and look where you're buying. And I suppose that leads on to my next question, which is where are you guys focusing your efforts? Where where do you think 
are you know within the local within the regions we know are going to be good performing locations the midlands these sorts of places where are you focusing your efforts you know where are you looking to buy sites where are you looking to build because um obviously you're not going to be buying in places you don't think are are, are sound locations because it doesn't make sense for you for you as a business and so 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 where are you focusing your efforts i suppose is what i'm trying to yeah, I think for us, uh, uh, Birmingham remains one of our favourite locations. And it's um, uh, the expansion and change in Birmingham over the last five years is remarkable. That's continued unabated through the lockdown. One of the key yeah. things in the in the UK, um, which maybe just goes back to one of your earlier questions, Callum, as well, but is that the you know unadulterated support by uh, the UK government for the UK property industry. And I think not every central government has done this around the world. But I think quite early on, the UK government realised that construction that creates so much energy and effort and in a in a, an economy. And they, they went hell-bent on that very early on, which was quite well advised I think and um, and that's that whole activity about the, the, the point with the UK is that there's still a chronic shortage of yeah. um, and so we, we do need to build housing not everywhere obviously but in a lot of the major cities housing is necessary um, and and the green spaces around those big satellite cities like um, like Cambridge and Nottingham um, there's there's a feeling in those cities that there's going to be a radiation out from those cities, greenfield sites, housing uh, is all going to be particularly. So the support that the government's created in that has been very very helpful in terms of um, uh, trying to regenerate the more depressed areas outside of the southeast. And there's no doubt that that's going to continue. We're seeing it. Uh, the two or three announcements last week, the satellite cities around Birmingham, and huge amounts of central government investment into places like Wolverhampton and uh, Walsall and Dudley, and only do good, do good for the, the communities. And, um, and of course, a lot of that is based on high-speed rail link that's coming to Birmingham. Work is underway there, and that's extraordinary how much work is going on on that at the moment, and the changes that we're seeing, and the terminal station there is being built you know it's um, really happening and, and yet I know in the, the far east sometimes there seems to be some speculation whether it's going ahead well I can assure you it is so we've got roadworks uh, confusing our traffic and, uh, and so we and, and we're still probably six years away from that being completed but there's, there's a there's a undoubted desire from the British government to create construction to make sure there's enough um, housing around around the, the UK. I think that's one of the things that helps us in the UK market as well. Quite apart from people just having more money to spend to invest into property, the government has identified early on we need to support the, the property market. So let's let's provide stamp duty tax breaks to keep the market going. Let's furlough people so they can carry on funding their mortgages. 
furlough them so that they can carry on paying their rents and supporting supporting the landlords who are you know, giving them um, a property to live in. Uh, and the government's been very, very clever in doing that. All of that support, um, as I think one of the questions later on, I think that you've been raised by one of your delegates is, um, you know, the, the effects of the budget. Again, the government has gone very strongly into providing 95% mortgages, which we haven't seen for years. This is all in an effort to get people out there confident buying pro property. And, uh, the commitment is there for all to see, and it's and it's long term commitment. So, so this all augurs really well for the property market. And uh, our job, as I said earlier, is is to go and find those areas where there really is pockets of real potential, and um, and they aren't going to be in the southeast, where we are looking at a project down in South End again at the moment. Oh. That's a, an exceptional area, but. Um, um, but we we believe the Midlands, the radiation effect of HS2 coming uh, is going to have a, a real impact. Um, and then those satellite cities like Nottingham, like Peterborough, like Cambridge, um, and maybe even a bit further north, you know, Derby, um, Mansfield, Sheffield. Yep. They're looking at opportunities in all of these places. Um, Exciting. And, uh, and, and where would you, um, if you, if you were looking to buy, if you had thirty to forty thousand pounds to put down, property value of a hundred to one hundred and thirty thousand, say, where would you, where would you be, where would you be buying personally? You know, would it be in Nottingham? Would it be further north somewhere? Where, um, yeah. where do you think is is the best place? I mean, I would probably buy Nottingham. I think you get good value for it. <laughs> I, I think the East Midlands is uh, at that price point. Yeah, I think the East Midlands yeah. is the uh, place at the moment. So Derby, Mansfield, Nottingham, <clears throat> and, and maybe a bit further south, quite like Peterborough as well. Yeah, so, so those, those places, I think. But um, um, our our goal when we're looking for a site is we we work out all of the finances. But the golden nugget for us is that we can find ourselves in a position where we can deliver a 6% yield to our clients. And if, if that looks sustainable, so what we do is we, we work from the ground up, we'll look, we'll look at the local employment, we'll find out what the rental market is like. If people are paying 500 pounds a month to rent a one bedroom apartment um, in a city center location, and we can, and that's 6,000 pounds a year, if we can, Deliver a nice one-bedroom apartment in centre location for hundred thousand pounds. That's going to create the six percent yield, and that's how we work. We don't say how much profit can we make on this property. Yeah. We work on how easily can we sell this property, and in order to sell the property, we need to focus on the yield first. So and we have I, to make sure the market is right. I think I, the that I, I think that's a very good point. You know, when you. Um, you know, when you, when you're looking at, at buying a, a buy to let on a, an investment, you know the yield is very important because when when you get up into that 6 percent plus, you know that's when your income is going to be covering your mortgage and going to be covering all your expenses and all your costs. You know, so I think that is a that is a very important point to find somewhere that has that good yield, so so that 
once you put your deposit down, you're not having to pay any more. You know, it's it's paid off by the the um, the person that's living in it, which is the whole point, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, David, we're 34 minutes in. We've got some okay. questions coming in, and we've got uh, some other bits and bobs to cover off. I think we'll leave the the market stuff or, or the general property market stuff there for now. Everyone listening, if you've got question, more questions, put them in the, the thingy down there. Um, David, in terms of just, you know, if there's, if there's people that are listening and that are looking at buying through you guys, uh, can you just give us a bit of info on sort of security? You know, what's the, if they're putting their funds with you to buy a property with you, you know, what is their security and how do they know over that? two-year period whilst we're building up those funds, you know, that, that you guys are secure. I mean, obviously you've got a great track record and, and all this sort of stuff, but what else in terms of security is there to, um, you know, to look after people? Okay. Um, there are different stages of the property purchase process. And for us, as I said earlier, we, what we're about is minimising the amount of money that you commit in the early phase of the, the property purchase. Um, as with every investment, there's risk attached, I'm afraid. So, you know, I, I can't sit here today and say your 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 money is 100% safe the minute it leaves your bank account and comes into our bank account. Um, it's it's not 100% safe when it's sitting in your bank account or indeed under your bed. So there's, there's always going to be some risk attaching. Um, in the process that we normally have, <clears throat> you will complete a reservation form and send us a deposit of 5%. The reservation form has some conditions attaching to it and there's a, there is a contract but it's not a contract to deliver the property at that stage it's just a contract that we are going to bring to a contract to deliver a property so the protections of your money at that stage are i'm afraid a little bit limited so in the event that we were to go bust um be put into administration um your money would be at risk money that you invest let's say it's 5,000 or 7,000 pounds, just simply goes into a, a project-specific client account. So it's it's one of a myriad of client accounts and, uh, and trading accounts that Prosperity has. And um, so it, it just goes in there and it's earmarked for that project. Um, and then dependent on how far into the journey we are with delivering the property to you. So let's say it's a two-year journey probably within the next three or four months we will be looking to exchange contracts with you that will be the formal contract to purchase between prosperity and you as the as the buyer and once that contract exchange takes place, it probably takes a month once the paperwork's been prepared and the lawyers have poured over it for hours to justify that please once once that's all signed up and we've both signed then we have a commitment to deliver at a certain time um, and obviously at fixed price that you need so then you start to have a much higher level of security because we're bound by commitments to deploy the money in different stages of the construction in the event that either the builder goes bust or developer or one of the contractors fails to deliver um, there are step over rights that ensure that the, the cost of the construction can't be changed. Okay. It's not it's not something that you suffer, but you that we suffer and that the replacement contractor has to has to sign up for. 
And then there are also insurances within the contract, which ensure that in the event that somebody does um, drop out of the whole transaction, uplifts the and those big ticket expenses that might be suffered as a result of an event like that are all funded for out of an insurance policy. So the, there is a guarantee post exchange of contracts that your £100,000 property will be delivered to you um, for £100,000 and that the money that's being deployed through that journey, because your deposits are deployed post exchange of contracts, they're deployed into the construction process um, in right sizes through that, that process um, there is a great deal of integrity post, post exchange of contract the risk for you is for those first three or four months whatever it is of paying five thousand to start with and a couple of thousand pounds a month that money is more at risk but i would say that if you were so concerned about prosperity's integrity as a as a business um, and the way it manages itself and be investing in this medium of investment in the first place. We're not, uh, we're an established business. We're not, um, we're not funded by um, uh, significant amounts of private equity elsewhere and the stock market listing. Uh, we don't borrow huge amounts of money. So we're in the business of delivering property, building our reputation. Um, and, um, and we're in it for the long term. So, we're not a small developer who's doing three or four units in one project. And, and if it doesn't go well, we'll just put business into administration and start up down the road. We're, we're here for the, you know, for the long term and trying to build a relationship with our clients. So uh, your money is pretty safe. I can't say it's guaranteed in the, those early stages. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing. Um, with anything like this, you should do your own research and your own due diligence online. To, to see how comfortable you are with it. And I think nowadays and age as well, you know, the world is such a small place with the internet that you'll soon find out, you know, if, if, if you're running a business that's, um, that's not doing the right thing, people will find out and you can go online and see that you guys have plenty of good reviews and, and happy clients. Um, super. I think that's, uh, that's all the questions we had to go through, Dave. We've got Let's open up the floor to questions, as they say. Is there anyone that's listening in? Would you like to drop some questions in the Q&A bit down there and we will spend a bit of time going through them and then perhaps we can go through some, uh, some current development updates. Uh, all right, we've got one on just a question around the stamp duty, first-time buyer exemption and... and uh, relating to a specific property purchase. I think what we'll do, if that's okay on that, that's quite a specific question to a, a, an, an individual. We'll, um, we'll come back to you with a, just an individual email or an individual call yeah, answer, if, if that's okay, guys. We're just trying to do sort of more general Q&As. Um, I think just looking at the specific question of stamp duty, it has definitely bolstered the market and created energy again and that was you know government stimulus do we think it's going to fall off the cliff edge when it all ends i i think um i think the owner occupier market probably slow down a bit because there's clearly a great big impetus and a rush to get get in before the date closes um but the 
impact of the stamp duty discounts, whilst very significant for the first time buyer or the owner occupier, isn't quite as marked. In fact, it's, it's quite insignificant for the investor. Yeah. Um, so, so the difference between getting your investment property before the, uh, the deadline or after is, is a, a relatively negligible impact. But the, the general energy that's been created by the, the, the stimulus has been good for all of us. I think it will continue to be beneficial. Great. Okay, thank you. Um, perfect. So we'll do, we'll do a little, um, an, another note, a more personal note on that to, to these guys as well. Um, GG, the initials, so you know what we're talking about. Um, questions are coming in, which is great. First one is, um, where can we get a dog, like the dog on the wall behind you, David, in the picture? <laughs> okay okay well the the black dog is um and the white and the beige dog are both labradoodles and uh and they have become very popular in the uk over the last 10 years and um i was always a they, the black dog was my partner's dog and we've only been together for about seven years i was always a bit of a cat lover before i uh, came into this family but uh, these are two of the most adorable dogs so I, um, I would endorse ownership of one of those more than I would a prosperity property. That's how good they're. <laughs> two, two things Lovely. Yeah, no, they are lovely dogs. They're temperaments of the lab and very good looking dogs. Um, okay, some, some slightly more serious questions coming in, David. Um, Broad Oaks, can we have just an overview on, on the build and what the situation there is at the moment. Have we broken ground? What's, what's uh, you know, what's, what's going on with that? Well, Broad Oaks is the, the biggest project we've ever been involved in. Um, I went down to see the site in um, uh, October um, and um, I was uh, taken away by, or blown away by the whole thing. It's a, it's a lovely town. Um, I know Norfolk quite well anyway, but I'd actually never been to Downham Market. Um, lovely town. It really is literally in the the only large field that exists um, in the next to the housing of the, of the town itself. So quite how we've managed to um, purloin that piece of land from the, the landowners uh, and get planning permission um, just shows the, the skill sets of our, you know, our business at this and that's obviously priority developments um, part of the business but a great achievement to get that um, the project is really a, a big project and will be delivered over between 23 and 28 months from now um, and um, at the moment really there's no work going on on site really is just um, marketing and getting people to resist apartments houses sorry on the on the site um and um the activity in terms of sales the appetite for uh, this type of thing which is as i say completely new to us has has exceeded our expectations we've uh, we've launched it in a, in the first phase but we've much sold out of that first phase which is almost half of the, the properties that will be on in this project so that's since the middle of January. So, uh, as I say, really exceeded our expectations. Do you think it's a period there to build? You know, will the build 
take the whole 24 months or will it be you know a case of actually snagging either side and the bills a little bit less i mean what, what how will that pan out the the build, building is never takes anywhere near as long as anyone thinks nowadays it's uh, such a, a calculated science um but we won't, won't be digging digging holes in the ground really until the end of this year in order to deliver the first houses, you know, in the first quarter of 2023. So um, it, uh, the build of a house really from um, from getting the foundations into uh, to shutting the door um, to be decorated it shouldn't take more than 13 or 14 months. Yeah. Often takes seven or eight. Again, just, just going back to the pandemic, one of the things that we've seen over the last 12 months is a rapid increase in the speed of construction and the speed of delivery, despite all these concerns, you know, bathrooms from Italy and kitchens from Italy have all come in on time and uh, uh, access to bricks has been greater because um, uh, people, some constructors, some, some builders aren't building as much as they were. So we've got more access to the bricks and there are more, more um, bricklayers out there and uh, roof fitters, et cetera, that are all looking for work. So, so um, the, the construction industry is, is really buoyant as a result of it. We've, uh, so we are usually quite conservative about the build process, but yeah. you know, I, I would have no, no concerns about delivering the timescales that we're setting out. With our payment programs at the moment. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a question we get asked quite a lot is why do you do the, the, the whole 24 month thing? And actually, you know, it doesn't take that long to, to build a new built property. It's more to make it more affordable for and accessible for people to actually be able to buy the property. So um, our, our, our perception is that people quite like the idea of £1,500 a month, £1,000 a month. Um, but of course, you can join the process of buying a property at down and market in in six months' time, and and then you'll have you know an eighteen month payment program. You know? So it's and you can marry it up with your preference. The delay between investing for the first time and completion, and Callum will be able to tell you about other projects to be which are near complete or complete or six months away from completion. We can deliver properties. Uh, within people's time frames and, and uh, desire for asset allocation. That's it. And as well, I think really, you get in, um, you know, generally speaking, the, the better choice or pick of the units you would have, right? So it's... Uh, yeah, definitely. There's no doubt that the second phase at uh, Downham will be uh, uh, at an inflated price on the front. So. So well done, that's, that's already bought there, good on you. Um, okay, just on, on the new build stuff, these are all live questions now, David, so in no order really. On, on new builds, are there, you know, they come with national house builders, are they, are they all covered by that? I mean, what's the extent of that and, and what do people have when they're buying a new build such as this? Um, there's a uh, a legal requirement now on on any new construction. It doesn't have to be new build. It's even on conversions. Um, so it, once we're a national home builder, which we are, we're a prized national home builder, 
we have to build within certain restrictions and um, and, and specifications. And one of the those things, one one of the fe features and facets of that means that we have to provide a an NHBC ten year build construction figure or the equivalent. There are some others yeah. that have. Oh, we don't always use NHBC because inevitably they're the most expensive, and but they provide the same warranty levels as as some of their competitors. So, so um, but yes, there's always a ten year um, compliant. Uh, build certificate ensuring that the work is authorized for 10 years from completion of the works. And, and what does that mean for uh, people that, that don't really understand or aren't really familiar with it? It means that if there's anything, anything wants to go wrong with the build quality, then, then it's fixed? Or yeah, sure. So, so this is the basic construction of the building. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the building, it's the, uh, the installation of water pipes, gas, electricity, whatever the services are that's, that's installed, but it isn't white goods, for instance. White goods are covered uh, and we you know, invariably on our projects, we, we, we provide white goods as part of the purchase price um, and they're covered by their own warranties. That's nothing to do with the bill, yeah. um, but, uh, but obviously warranties are attaching to, to um, hobs and ovens and fridges and freezers. Okay, great. And then we have a question here as well on the regarding the investment. What is the method of payment? Um, I think we've covered a little bit of that there, you know, and the fact that you can actually, you know, you need a 30% deposit that you can pay over 24, uh, 18 or 12 months, depending on how far we are away from completion. In terms of the access, I mean, you guys aren't in, in terms of actually spending monies to you and paying for deposits you guys you have an account and you can send it to you from any account any currency or how does how does that work um specifically yeah um so uh, we we only have a uk sterling based account um uh, that we use for for each project so um you have to send the money you you have to deal with any currency transaction exploits and and then um remit to us sterling so um, um the pro the program for those of you that haven't invested with us before is you select a, an apartment uh, or a house um with callum or whoever your advisor is uh, callum reserves that um plot he then sends you a reservation form which leads sign and you obviously have to provide your uh, proof of who you are and your your uh, your where you live um, and um, you send that off to us. We then dispatch to you what's called a welcome pack, which gives you a full breakdown of what you bought, verify the terms and go and corroborate that that's exactly what, what you were buying. And it gives you the payment program and all the bank details uh, where you remit your first payment and your subsequent payment or quarterly if you choose to pay quarterly. Um, and, uh, and then gives you the contact details for um, who deals with different purchases, who the lawyers are going to be, when the lawyer is likely to be in touch. It, it, it walks through the process. Great. Okay. And I think you, you touched on it um, a bit there, but, you know, someone said what, um, one of the questions is, what happens after we complete? You know, will we be supported in letting our property 
uh, in foolish if we're finishing it um, you know what's the after sales process like because you know what we try and do is we try and help people as as I know you guys do is, is try and help with the whole process you know it's the it's the researching of where to buy it's it's the buying it's the mortgages it's putting a management company it's talking about tax and how best to structure property ownership and even selling it you know people want to sell it well you can sell it to your existing investors our ex- existing investors but I think it would be nice for people to hear, you know, from you, how they are supported in that in that um, after sale environment. Okay, so prosperity fundamentally are in the business of building houses, delivering houses to people. So that's that's what we're primarily focused on. That's where we hope to make money out of our enterprise, and, and that's it. We also fully identify, particularly with people living thousands of miles away that those other aspects of the purchase journey um, need, need, you need support on. And, uh, but we don't, want to, we don't want to encroach on existing relationships that you might have. So if you have a, um, somebody who gives you wealth management advice, that's great. We don't, we don't want to step on their toes. If you've got a mortgage broker who believes they can help you with help, helping you to buy the property, you are more than welcome to, to use them. If you've got a lettings management company that you've used for other property ownership um, transactions that you've been involved in, you can use them. But if you want us to provide you with a full cradle to grave service, we can provide you with every part of the, the, uh, the property acquisition journey. So that's from um, yeah, wealth management. We can provide you with a, an overview of you know how you're building your portfolio balancing it with stocks and shares and equities we can do that if you want we can provide you with tax planning advice you know, do i buy it through a limited company do i buy it as an individual do i buy it through a limited company where i'm living at the moment or do i buy it through a uk limited company all of these questions can be can be answered um, when it comes to financing the property you'll probably be looking for a mortgage, although some people obviously pay cash, but if you're looking for a mortgage, we would start to talk to you about providing that finance about six months, four to six months from completion, because that's when we can start really looking at what mortgage deals are available. Um, And we have that service and facility in-house that we can certainly help you through that. And we have quite a lot of expertise in that that area. at completion, uh, there's obviously the lettings management. And again, we can provide as much or as little assistance in that process as if you want. We have um, an in-house uh, lettings management company called Lamont & Co. Lamont & Co. do indeed let out most of the properties that we've sold over the last three years now. Yeah. Um, they do a great job. got more expertise about the projects than any other lettings agent you know so so their service is, is really quite quite good and they would normally get in contact with you and ask you whether you wanted help with lettings a couple of months from completion so that they were prepared and looking for a, a suitable uh, qualified tenant somebody that you can rely on to pay the rent um, and um, you know with all the proper references and ensure that they you know they moved in as seamlessly as possible and as soon as possible after we completed the purchase. And then ongoing, we're there to 
to help you if you subsequently want to resell the property or refinance it or change the way it sits within your overall investment portfolio. We'll do as much or as little as you, you want. Um, and in terms of obviously all those services come with a bit of an extra cost, but the extra cost is obviously down to the circumstances of the, the need that you have and your inquiry, but they're, they're all charged at the rate that you'd expect in the open marketplace. So you can decide that it's good value or you decide you can get a better deal somewhere else. Your prerogative to make that choice. Yeah, and, and there is a cost involved, but you're right there. It's, it's market value. And I think usually it's, um, it is good value. You know, you guys aren't overpriced. But it's a good point. You know, you, you can use as much or as little of prosperity services as you want, which I think is a, is a, a good selling point. We've got a couple more questions, uh, three more, actually. If there's anyone listening that has more, please put them in. Um, it's very early morning over in, in the UK with David, and he's got all day to uh, turn to questions for us. So uh, just, just a few more then, David, if there's no more coming in. Um, what type of apartment is easier? It's easier to sell back to the market, but I'm going to change that to what type of apartment is easier to rent uh, and then sell back and what type of yield can you expect on a one versus a two bed apartment and why? Ooh. Right. Okay. Um, as is often the case, there's, there's never an easy answer to, to a question like that. Um, the, um, the decision over whether you should buy a one bed or a two bed is actually site specific. Um, you know, my own feeling is that generally a two bed ought to produce a better yield in a city centre location. And the reason for that is that, for instance, Birmingham is a, is a prime area. A lot of young professionals, and this is the market we're appealing to in city centre Birmingham, a lot of young professionals will end up renting a two, two, two individuals will end up renting a two bedroom property together. So their capacity to fund two bed means you've got two payrolls paying for the for the incumbent costs of, of letting that property. Yeah, it's therefore easier yeah. for them to fund the the the, the occupation of that. Um, and there are plenty of people that are happy to to enter into that type of relationship with a friend or a colleague. So, so for that reason, I always believe that a two bed and city centre is likely to be easier to let. And, and you're likely to get a better rate of return from a yield point of view, um, simply because they've got a capacity to pay more. So um, a two bedroom apartment is never twice as expensive as a one bedroom apartment. But the yield calculation is obviously dependent on price. And there will be sometimes differences in, in the yield between a one bed and a two bed just because of the price differential. Yeah. The, the floor level, the, the orientation, you know, whether it's got a little access to a, an outdoor area, you know, all, all of these things have a, a little impact on price. So um, there isn't an exact science to it, but I, I would say in Birmingham, the sweet spot is two beds. One of the things that quite fascinatingly drives it as well is price. And people have, we all have lines of resistance over where, whether we think something's good value or not. And you, you get up to a certain price level, people think, oh, I'm not paying £250,000 for a one bed. 
Um, and it's, it's these lines of resistance that you have in every type of market, whether it's an equity or a bond or property. And those, those price points can vary what yield you can get um, and, and where the demand lies in terms of who's out there buying one beds, who's out there buying two beds. But yeah, bottom line, Birmingham two beds, I think is best so long as you realise that a two bed these days in Birmingham is probably going to cost you 270000 Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's the that's the sweet spot for Birmingham. In some of these other places like Nottingham, you know, a couple of the projects we've delivered in Nottingham have been close to um, colleges, hospitals, um, and we've we found a number of medical students, nurses have occupied these. And interestingly, those people tend to like to live on their own. Yeah. So the demand for one bed is correspondingly higher as a result of that yeah it's uh it, it's it's one of those things that the answer can go on for hours but it, and it really just shows how important it is to have you know specialist oak advice for your specific inquiry you need to decide what your budget is and and whether you have a preference on your on the location you want to invest once you've done that then work with a uh, an advisor like Callum to and work out what what suits you best and then we'll do our best to deliver the, the right type of property for your needs yeah i think very good answer you know you could argue you could argue either way i mean i would personally say i would say one bets you know because you get you get um young couples or individuals that like their own space going in there and and uh, it, it is really down to preference and again down to budget you know if you if you've got a budget of 100 and you know, £170,000, for example, and you're trying to buy in Birmingham, you're not going to be buying a two-bed. You're going to be buying a one-bed. And if if you don't want to buy a one-bed, then you need to look elsewhere and you might get a two-bed somewhere else for £150,000, £170,000. So it's really down to your means, what you're trying to achieve. But I think it's marginal, isn't it? You know, if you're buying in the right place, then there's always going to be people that are looking for two beds, groups of people, and there's always going to be people that are looking for one beds, you know, so it's about your budget and I think the location where you want to buy, I think you're better off buying in a good location uh, and, and buying what your budget can afford than you are saying, well, I must have a two bed or I must have a one bed. So I think um, very good question, maybe a couple of percentage points in yields, different yield, different perhaps, but I think. Uh, yeah, but it is, it is amazing how, and, and again, bear in mind what I said earlier, and that is we work off, okay, the target yield is, let's say, 6%. So how do we price the two beds and the one beds to achieve it? And so yeah. we then say, okay, well, the rent is £1,000 a month, so the price needs to be X to support yeah. that target yield. So so that's, you know, the yields generally are, are very similar in one and two beds. Uh, we, do, we do get involved in three-bed apartments, and the yields there slip a little bit. Um, just because the price is demonstrably more, um, and again on houses as well, the yields the yields are a little bit lower. Just houses are a bit more expensive to build because they generally stand on their own. That's it. But, you know, there's people, there's people that love three beds because they say there's not many three beds in city centres. So if you do have a three bed, it's going to rent quite quickly. And I think there's there's arguments for all of all of these different points. You know, so and. As long as, as you said, as long as you're getting a good yield and yields covering your costs, your mortgage, 
and it's paying for itself, then it doesn't really matter, does it, whether it's one or two or three. Um, anyway, there we go. We've got a couple more. Is there any way to secure prosperity property for less than the 30% uh, deposit? So I suppose this person is asking if they can pay a lower deposit and secure a prosperity property and get a higher mortgage. Um, we, we have to uh, familiarise ourselves with the investor and the client and establish why, why they think they can get a better mortgage, a bigger mortgage than we believe is, is appropriate for an investment. So if somebody is buying to occupy or, for instance, they're buying to put their children in for, you know, in a university city, for instance, so buying for a, rep, a relative, so it's, it's in effect a... And in, it's not an investor purchase, but it's a, a buy to occupy purchase. Then we are happy to talk about lower deposits. Um, and we, we do have some arrangements where we can allow people to, to invest, you know, on a, on a smaller deposit base. But we, we do have to understand that it is, we need some evidence that it's going to be for owner occupation. Okay. Um, the mortgage market is, uh, is, is really quite fluid. Um, um, but at the moment, it's very positive. We haven't talked about that today, but the mortgage market is positive. But we do think for investors, you need to be uh, looking for 70% maximum mortgages. If, you, if you're looking for a bigger mortgage than that, then it might be possible, but we think it becomes less attractive because the interest rate has been up. So uh, that's why we, we tend to target 70 Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I would add to that, you know, I would say that there's a reason it's at 30%. That's because it, it gives you more favorable mortgage terms. There's more lenders will lend at 30%, uh, a 30% deposit, you know, so it's um, generally speaking, it's, it gives you a, a better term. So, um, yeah, you can look for less, but especially on these sort of price point properties, if you're looking at 100 to 200,000 pound properties, 30% is good. Um, Two more questions. Anyone else got questions? Please put them in. Two uh, questions. Just on company ownership. How many properties do you think you need? Okay, you just broke. You broke up, man. Sorry. No worries. Just on uh, company. And that again, I didn't hear you. Sorry. Limited company ownership. You know, how many properties do you think you need to have in a portfolio before it starts becoming worthwhile? Let's assume. This person has no income in the UK, so they've got their full UK tax-free allowance. How many properties do you need before it becomes worthwhile owning those to a, a limited company? I, I think two. That's, that's when I'd start doing it. So, so my view is that if somebody's really thinking about setting up um, a portfolio of properties, and they, they really ought to explore the, uh, the idea of setting a limited company. Take that, that from out. Okay, and do you... Um, we, will... we can provide that advice. Sorry, I think the, the connection, obviously a lot of people are getting on with the work or whatever it is. Um, What's the best way? Is it better to have one company that would own all your properties or is it better to own a separate holding company, limited company up for each individual property? What do you think? Mm -hmm. 
best way to, to structure that. Again, again, I, I think it would be generally, uh, it's good to have one company holding a few different properties, but that does change dependent on the tax circumstances of the individual who's bequesting the money to the property company in the first place. And, and you know, whether they're going to stay non-resident for a long time or whether they're repatriating back. So these are all, this is when it becomes a bit more complicated. I mean, we need to, uh, to, to really drill into the detail before giving advice. Sorry to be uh, vague there. It's true, you know, it, it is all very much down to individual <laughs> small margins a lot of the time. And we can, to, to the person that asked that question, we can put you in touch with, you know, the accountants we use for our property stuff back in the UK and you can have a chat with them and, you know, they won't charge you for that, but you can figure out whether you think it's worthwhile to, to set up a company. Um, again, just ask the question and something prosperity or ourselves can help with. And lastly, last question, student accommodation. What's your opinion on that versus residential? Which one's better? You know, a lot of the time you get promised guaranteed yields, fixed returns for two, three years on, on student property. What's your take on that? And, and you know, why, why do you guys not get involved in that? I know why I wouldn't personally get involved in it, but what's your, what's your reasoning behind that? And why do you think residential is the way to go? In, um, student accommodation is a completely market. Um, it's it's an investment that you make if you're driven solely by yield. Um, and for some people, it, it's a it's a good investment. For instance, if uh, you're looking at it, let's say you're um, a retired individual with no beneficiaries, um, and you're looking to maximise your income from a property-based investment. <clears throat> for as long as you live, then buying an, a new, buying a, a student accommodation with some five-year or, or so rental guarantee might look particularly attractive because they might be talking about an 8% or a 10% yield. And that's great in those circumstances because all you're worried about as a, a single retired person is the income of what's going to happen to the capital. So you can liken the investment almost to an annuity. It's you, know, you make an investment into an annuity, which guarantees you an income for a lifetime or a set time. Um, and at the end of it, your capital is exhausted. And so, you know, a lifetime annuity will pay the income you live till you're 100, or it'll pay it until you live until you're 65, you know, if you're 60. And it's, um, and the risk is, is on the provider of that annuity. Um, so it may, may suit you if you live 30 years from then, but you have to assume with student accommodation, it's an annuitized investment. So buy it for the yield, but don't expect to make any capital appreciation out of it. And in fact, don't be surprised if it goes down in value. I think if you go into it, having understood what it actually is, and it's a, it's a product designed to provide you with a high rate of return on an, from an income perspective, but with no capital growth. Um, and if they, the provider suggests you're going to get capital growth, they're being economical with the truth really is, why will, cap, why, why will it grow in value? I mean, one of the things, just think about 
any your own experiences or your experiences of your children um, when you go into the halls of residence. But these places are knocked about; they're really mistreated. Um, you know what, what's what's going to happen to that student accommodation? It's not going to be well looked after. Um, it, it's cheap and. Um, but it does generate good income from the universities and the halls of accommodation and so on. Um, but the resaleability of it, six years down the road after three freshers have been in it for a couple of years, um, you know, isn't isn't that attractive? Or so Callum Callum's uh, been to university, so he knows what it's like. So um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it. And I think also. You know, a lot of these products out there are being sold on high yields. Um, these things have to be paid for somewhere. So that lovely old adage, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. It's something just to have resonating through your mind um, every time you look to make any investment, whether it's a prosperity investment or a, or a student accommodation or a unit trust or, or anything. Just uh, does that sound too good to be true? Because it probably is. Excellent. And I think perhaps just to summarise that to leave, you know, uh, to, to wrap up even, you know, it's it's very important when you're looking at all these, the different types of property options out there, you know, and, and ways to invest your money. I think it's often best to go to the end and then work backwards, you know, so what are you actually trying to achieve? And when you know what you're trying to achieve, you can then work backwards and say, well, actually, these types of properties will help me achieve that. These ones won't. And you can narrow down your options. So if you're brand new to property investing and you don't know where to start, well, think, actually, what would I like from it, from this? You know, would I like, would I like monthly income to supplement my, my teaching job? Or would I like income in 15 years from now as a pension or, or you know, do I want just capital appreciation? What is it? And then once you've defined that, you can actually, you can say, right, well, in, you know, if I want immediate income because I'm looking to retire very soon, then maybe I'll buy some student accommodation because it's a good income play. Or if, you know, if you want a longer term property for pensions type thing, then, you, you know, you're looking at just a simple buy to let, put a tenant in there, let them pay the mortgage off, you know, or if you want immediate income, a bit of extra income, then maybe it's an interest only mortgage and you take the income, the extra income, you know, so I think define what it is you're trying to achieve guys. And then once you know what that is, you can, you can go back to the start and say, right, well, what will actually help me get there? And that'll help you narrow down what it is you're trying to achieve. And it's the same, you know, the one or two bed question. Well, if you know what it is you're trying to achieve, then maybe that'll help you answer that question. So, um, there we go. I think maybe we could leave it there unless you've got anything anything else to add, David. Appreciate your time as always. No, that's fine. That's been a pleasure. Good luck with your uh, property investments, everyone. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll do our next quarterly review next quarter, believe it or not. And um, to those prosperity clients tuned in, we'll We'll send out uh, updates on the current developments and something Prosperity are doing now is doing, how regular are these updates you're going to be doing, David, on the developments? We're doing them every month now. So um, so we, we do a, an update just on, on the build process on each site, supply some photographs, have a question and answer as well for anyone who uh, needs question answering as a result of the, uh, the content of that seminar. But of course, you can always... I'm one of them.
Great. And how do people find out about that? You'll just get an email. They, they should be getting emails um, just directly off, uh, you know, off uh, our marketing team. So they'll be just being sent out to them, inviting them to join the Zooms. Excellent. Okay, well, perfect. Thank you very much. Um, this is going to go up on our YouTube, David, so I've got to say like and subscribe, hit the bell button and um, all that sort of stuff. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll chat again in a couple of months, David. Thanks for your time and hopefully... Uh, Hopefully Joe gets better soon. Hopefully we'll see you in the next one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thanks everyone. Cheers guys. Take care. Thanks. Bye.